Hello there, and welcome to the latest episode of a Sift Taker Snapshots podcast. I'm Ben Hibbert, and I'll be your host today. Uh, joining me in usual is uh, Mr. Polly. Hello there. How's it going, dude? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. I, I've been playing with Jedi, so I've been having fun. <laughs> it's all good. We've got a little tag along, Liam. Bonjourno. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Richard Greenaway. Hello there. Also an event extraordinary, I think. You have a, you organise quite a lot of events, don't you, if I'm right? Yes, yeah, the only way I actually get to play, you see. Because <laughs> so, actually running events is a way of not losing against your children and losing against other people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dreading the day that Willow starts beating me regularly. What, next week? Now, now I can lie to her and tell her the rules or something else and win. <laughs> classic <laughs> classic uh, yeah so this week we're going to talk about obviously richard run an event um last weekend weren't it um it's the first 2.0 in-person event i know of anyway 2.5 uh sorry 2.5 yes yeah the lads it's, in scotland me. ran one at the same time the tartan Tuscan, yeah they did um, uh, they streamed one. it as well yeah yeah so there, there were two probably go back and catch it up can't you yeah, it's Gypsy Gambit on Twitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to watch a few games, they had I think about twenty people turned up, and they, um, yeah, I'll I'll try and find who won it so that later on I can say congratulations yeah. to them. I would like to try and uh, make the trip up there one time because I've only ever been to Scotland once, so I'd yeah. like to make another go. Once ever in your whole life, or once to play X Wing? No, no, once in my whole life. Wow, and that was literally I went up. Um, I can't remember what city we went to, but we got there and spent about five minutes in the city centre and then got on an airplane. That's, oh, that's nice. the most I've ever had at Scotland. It's not, it's <laughs> I've, I've only been once as well. Yeah. Wow. I went to uh, Edinburgh. I went to this lovely little Scottish restaurant called McDonald's. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I, feel, I feel positively cosmopolitan now. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> the McNuggets were to die for. <laughs> <laughs> oh no i meant to get up more it's just not happened traveling's hard and, and we're also obviously we're just going to touch on games and things that we've been playing and anything we're finding sort of interesting um, but anyway shall we start with the uh the event that you ran so yes yeah, so i ran the event at excelsior games in bristol um uh, the first place i ever played um competitive um, X-Wing and uh, a small scale. So basically we've got space for about eight, nine tables. Um, people still getting used to being near human beings again after lockdown. So um, we, we usually ran about, ran about seven or eight tables, maybe a few more, but it's, it's about that sort of space. And, you know, like the rest of the internet, I've melted down about rule changes and rumor mill, this is allowed and that's not allowed. And why do I care about satellites? And I think the only reason why <laughs> I wanted to run a 2.5 event was because I didn't feel I could moan about it unless I really played a decent number of reps at it and had a go. Um, and, I mean, spoiler before I go into any much too much detail, I actually really like it. Um, and I think there are lots of reasons why I really like it. And, yes, I can be nostalgic, but I've been playing X-Wing well, I tried to think about this earlier today. I've been playing X-Wing since around about 1979. Um, and But then it was with toys in my bedroom. And now suddenly I get a second wind. And I'm able to play it as a competitive game. And we played in first edition. And we first ever arrived 
Tim and I when he was 10 years old at a Cardiff event uh, when the whisper rules had just been changed. And we That's didn't before even know I even who... started. <laughs> and we didn't even know who Whisper was, but the whole queue was just melting with this sort of horror that some reason about you can now cloak here, but you can't cloak there. We were like, what's cloaking? And um, so there have been different situations through first edition, through second edition, and then now where people obviously don't like, you know, change is bad, comfort zone is fantastic, and don't mess with my game. And I felt like that in several times during the game's evolution. And I felt that unless I actually really had a go, I couldn't justify my rants because on paper, I felt I was justifiably ranting, but I thought, why not? Let's run an event and see where we are. Are we going to become an enclave for second edition or are we actually going to throw two feet first into a new version of the game? So we ran the event. And it went really well. And part of the advantage was that we had some people who'd already played it at other events. And I thought it was a really good idea just to milk that. And at the, we, so we ran four scenarios, it was four rounds. So we ran one of each of the scenarios. Uh, we made it clear that we were running, we weren't, you couldn't run any of the band stuff. Uh, you couldn't run any of the band ships. We were running a 2.5. We helped make sure that everyone's lists were valid at the beginning of the, of the event. And then we all crowded around one table and I used a couple of people. So shout out to Steve Bolton and shout out to Guy Wilson, who'd been already at other events or had played it at home a lot more than me. And they talked through the setup of the table, which I think is the big thing that people are actually getting a little bit nervy about. How do I set up? And if the person across from me is a bit more experienced. So they took us on how to place a central satellite, right? which is there's a great sheet. I don't know whether you guys have been through that. There's a great sheet on how to place the central satellite by folding in two of the corners from one side. And you can basically, within reason, within a few millimeters, place the satellite in the right place. Yeah, and then how it, to... Yeah. The taco, what you call it? No, what you call it? The burrito, is it? Yeah. I love that description. That's a great yeah. way of describing no, it. No, it's the um, it's the calzone, the holy calzone. That was it. Was it. Yeah. But one, but everyone, there was like a, there was like a sort of sigh around the room when everyone was showing how to do this because everyone was trying to figure out what is a one point five measure and <laughs> what is four. And Steve, Steve and Guy were able to explain this, and everyone was like, you could feel the room just relax a little bit. And then we said, right, we're playing, we're playing this. We ran them one to four. And I think in a future event, I might mix it up and just roll a dice and, to, and do them in different orders. But basically, we ran them one to four, and we went through each one. And at the beginning of every round, we came back across the table, and we repeated the process again and said, this is the event. This is what you score points for. This is what you do. This is where you need to play stuff. And then we did a, little, a few little sort of demo moves around the table. And then we announced the pairings and sent everyone back to their tables. And it just felt, it was really quite joyful. It was just like people getting on with it. Um, we have a mixture of really veteran players and actually people who are almost brand new. And it did feel a little bit like a levelling of suddenly everyone's in the same boat at level and sort of trying to figure out where things are going and what's good. And people had brought this with not an awful lot of experience and some things really worked um, and some things didn't work at all. And you're like, but that was supposed to do so-and-so. And it turns out it's rubbish. Um, my personal experience, my most valued player in my list, and it's just it doesn't die, and it's just good for giggles, is Ezra in the TIE Fighter with Lando Crew. <laughs> and, and a shield upgrade. 
and it oh, just man. rolls around just being thoroughly annoying, not dying and picking up objectives. But everyone had their little take on that. Um, some people who were also rebels was really popular. Some people were using uh, Derek the A-Wing. What's his surname? Cliffy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's hobby. only two, two, two points, but he can whiz around. But yeah. lots of the A-Wings had the vectored cannons, and I'd never really encountered that before. But boy, in a scenario when you're trying to grab position for an objective, moving in the system phase makes such a difference. Yeah, and then you've got... There, there is a bunch of cool stuff that you can do, which um, I think it's something that I've seen a few people saying online is the um, the 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 loadout values, whether they're zero or twenty-seven or thirty or whatever, um, or somewhere in between, are um, giving people um, an opportunity to put upgrades onto their ships that previously they would never have thought of, because you don't want to bloat a ship that will then just die. So you don't want to put forty points of upgrades onto Hera in a B-wing, even though you could. Um, because you were then just given those 40 points up as along with the other 46 points that she was worth um, when she got killed and, you know, making her half your list, you, you just ran her naked. Where now you can just put torps on her and you can put cannons on her and you can put Sabine Gunner on her and you can do whatever you want then um, because ultimately she's going to give up six points whether you've put her 28 points of loadout on her or none of it. She's going to give up the same number of points when she gets killed. So, you know. There's and that's very telling. In, yeah, that's really telling in my list building because basically I started off in default setting of giving either a shield upgrade or a hull upgrade to whoever I put in my list, mm -hmm. just because of I wasn't sure how well they were going to survive. My list was um, I went three and one. My list was Kanan in the Ghost with Iron Cannon Turret, uh, Leia Organa, who I ref I forgot to use the whole day, uh, Veteran Turret Gunner, uh, and mm -hmm. yeah, an Iron Cannon turret uh ezra as i mentioned with shield upgrade and nando dutch with cluster missiles iron cannon turret and Connanet, and then thane who is a personal favorite with shield upgrade and marksmanship he's very so, cheap he's cheap thane isn't he he's, he's only five, four he's only he's four. a four pointer for an i5 x-wing yeah. it's really good i find ezra really interesting because he's got a crew slot He's actually a really cheap way to put a bunch of different cool crew on the table. So you can put Hera, uh, not Hera, oh, Leia in there, or Hondo, or K2SO. You can basically turn him into a little cheap coordinator with his force and the ability to basically have force evade if he's not coordinating or to use whatever ability is on the crew that's in him. So he's a, And he's got a loadout of eight, I think, so you can put pretty much any, um, any good crew in there that you want to, apart from some of the ridiculously good ones, but... Yeah. I think I might use a couple of TIE fighters in the future in a Rebel list, because Zeb also has a crew slot. Oh, does he? Oh. Just, just yeah, out so... of fluff space, where, where's the crew sit in a TIE fighter? Uh, so in Rebels, in Rebels, fighters. well, if you remember, in version one, Sabine's TIE had a title that granted a crew oh, slot God, because yeah. they retrofitted a second seat into it in the Rebel oh, show. I um, remember. So, yeah, so you could have as many of them as you wanted, but you could have one with um, Sabine's tie, and if you remember, Sabine used to appear in um, Snap Crack A Wing lists because she had some crew that she could put on that made them better or something. I can't remember, but like <laughs> intensity snapshot Sabine or some nonsense like that that she could do because uh, of her free barrel rolls. So yeah, it's um, it's going back to something that used to exist back in version one, which um, I'm I've, I'm all for it, basically. Those TIE fighters are great fun, but yeah, I've not it. seen anybody fly one in 2.0. I saw some at Worlds, and I saw them die straight away. They, they did it awfully. 
But the thing is, with Ezra with a shield upgrade and Lando, there were so many times, and basically I had two force, a focus token, and an evade token. And it was just sort of like, you can shoot at me if you like, but it's not going to do much. Um, it's interesting. We played, we played all four scenarios. So we started off on Assault at the Satellite Array, uh, which I think is a good one to start people off on if you're just going to do a couple of rounds for an evening. Uh, we moved down to Chance Engagement. That's the uh, sort of I kill you, you kill me, and we ignore the thing in the middle. Um, I have to say it's the one that I least enjoyed because I, I must admit after lockdown and restrictions and there just not being so much organized play around, I've, I think I've needed something different. And it's not like the scenarios have taken the place of dogfighting, but they do sit alongside. Um, I was going really well ahead on a certain round and then suddenly lost um, Canaan. And <clears throat> you look down at your list, oh, how many points are Canaan? Oh, my goodness, I've just lost half my list because he's nine points. And suddenly <laughs> my opponent was back in there. And then, but some people had chosen to take things like people like Derek and, and uh, other type, uh, another um, A-wings and stuff. And it means that um, these things do pop if you're using your actions during certain scenarios to activate satellites or to pick up a crate. That's a great sort of gamership thing, you know. I've only got one action. Do I pick up a crate? Do I um, try and access a satellite? Or do I get that focus token that I'm probably going to need to survive? Yeah, it's um, it, I, I find it interesting. The games that we've played in, in the club and the few games I've played on TTS have been fascinating with looking at how you consider victory conditions and where it used to be just how do I get as many points as possible out of your list while giving up as few as I can. Now we've also got the, well, how do I, or can I get no points out of your list or just a handful here and there, but actually win on scenario actions by just flying around you? Um, or can I not do that because you're more nimble than me or moving after me? So do I have to now just come in and, and try and joust you um, and try and take points out of you? Um, in some way and uh, there's a lot of interesting discussions going on online at the moment about whether you look for your win condition just by killing things and objectives are a happy secondary thing that you can pick up when as and when you can um or do you need to um always primarily be looking at the objectives because if you ignore objectives you're going to lose it's it's fascinating the strategies that are coming up out of it are, are really intriguing this i agree with you because this is the thing is that if people are actually building their lists as slightly defensive like, like i was then these things aren't going to die that easily and if you've got somebody bopping around with a ship that only costs two points and um, the thing we noticed that lots of people would put one of the scenario objectives quite close to their edge so you naturally put one of them close to your edge um and then you end up with sort of this diamond formation mostly of objectives around the board um which means if you do chase three or four ships hoping for points to kill them you don't go over the other end of the board where there might be a single two-point ship just bopping backwards and forwards and gaining one or two points a turn um and then if you get that round where your dice just don't do anything and neither does your opponents but your opponents got the objectives then suddenly they're creeping ahead of you um it was all very very positive to be honest um 
I'm interested to see about how some things could be tweaked. Oh, the first major mistake we made was for some reason I didn't decide. I decided we weren't going to time rounds because I was under the impression that 12 rounds would net would, would either go really quickly or people would finish them really early. It turns out with people still getting used to it, it goes really slowly. So 90 minutes into the first round, I'm like, oh, my goodness, everybody, we've still got three tables going and you're on the seventh or eighth round of play. And we need to call it. So with their grace, I said, look, can you do two more rounds and then we'll stop. And then from yeah, then on, you you do need to do a clock. Yeah, they've, <laughs> they've said on um, on Adepticon, they've, they've done some <laughs> announcements about how they're going to run that in the US. And it's um, it's 12 rounds. So like Chance Encounter is like a normal game of X-Wing. So I played that earlier on um, this week against somebody and we got to 10 rounds in 75 minutes. So it felt like a normal game of X-Wing. Um, but the um, the scenario missions tend to finish in like between five and seven rounds um, in about an hour to an hour and a quarter, roughly. Um, but you're right, as you're, you know, if you're working through it for the first time and you're trying to figure it out and you've also got, you know, these new potentially massive complex squads with seven ships loaded down with upgrades and um, with tons of different triggers and things to remember, um, then, you know, it can just last for longer. But yeah, the um, Adepticon ruling that they've made is that it's going to be, uh, it's roughly 75 minutes. I think they've said it's 72 to 78, and they determine that at the start of the round, but don't tell anybody. So we chatted about it last week about why it was a bit weird. Um, but essentially, they it's, uh, it's from, I think, Tim said it's from a previous um, privateer press, privateer, or something, was it? yeah, something like that, and and that's the way they used to run them for um, for War Machine and Hordes was, you know, around lasts between seventy two and seventy eight minutes, and that stops you from trying to disengage at time to win the game because there might be another round, and then you've shown your back to the entire enemy, and they can charge in and beat you. Um, so it's it's more of a risk, basically. Um, so I mean, we'll see how I it goes admit, with Adepticon I... this weekend, uh, I guess. I, I must admit, I take the 40k space orcs sort of attitude to X-wing, which is driving really fast and try and kill more than, than kills me. Daka daka daka. But it must be it's very frustrating to have people who are far better at the game than me suddenly realise with five minutes to go that they can fly away from me and keep away from me and win. It doesn't. I think that was one of the things of first and second edition which I, I got incredibly frustrated at. It didn't feel like part of the game, but it, it, it was, of course, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, the one one of the big take homes from Saturday was um, the half points you get in chance encounter for large ships, and the fact that you don't get half points in the other scenarios. And I think that needs to change. Mm-hmm. Um, we were messing around on one of our groups today, and somebody came up with this list: um, Bosk, Manaru, Han Solo, and one of the. Um, mining ties that's three massive ships um who you could spend the whole game trying to burn through and if you don't actually kill them it feels a bit like um if you've ever played armada where you know you can burn through most of a star destroyer but if you don't destroy it there are no points on the table for you yeah absolutely it's it's something i've um noticed with playing the chance encounter because ben and i have played a lot of the other three a lot um yeah and um, we've noticed the the chance. Like I've noticed, I've played the chance encounter a couple of times recently online, and it's very different because suddenly, when you've you're one off half, you have to think about it. Where on the other scenarios, you're like it's okay, I'm one off half. It means I'm not going to die, which means I can still do this risky move, um, to try and secure something or get a position or whatever. 
Um, where now it's like, oh, wait, no, I'm one off half. I can't give up one point or two points or three points um, sort of thing. So I think of the four scenarios, the chance encounter is actually the one that is probably going to trip people up the most because it's it ignores, um, it gives up half and people will forget about that in time because it used to always be the thing. But if you've been playing the other three scenarios, you forget. That... I haven't even played chance encounter yet. No, it's why I've been playing it. Like previously, I was saying, could we not play Chance Encounter? But now I'm like, can we play it actually? Because I need to remember because it's totally different. It's a completely you also, different. Game. Um, you need to remember that you round down half points, but round yeah. up when you get full points, which yeah, something we're probably out of practice for. But I think they should do that for every scenario because I think I think otherwise it you are going to have these um, lists with massive massive ships just running around and just sitting on objectives and, and 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 getting in the way and not being able to do so i like the fact that a a large ship scores two points rather than one well is effectively two points for for figuring out who's in control of something that seems to make complete sense having a having a millennium falcon trumper tie fighter makes sense over size and scale but i think half points would make it make people far more conservative of how they use them it, um, it, it's interesting, Richard, that you said that. I think it would make the score tick up faster um, on those scenarios, to say which, that. Are, which are already finishing quite quickly anyway. So it would need to be um, brought in probably with a, a change to the, the victory condition of actually the victory condition going up um, to like 30 points or just going up a little bit just to keep the game length. Because if those scenarios are finishing in four or five turns, um, they'd finish in two or three turns if you were... You know, if you could pop half, half on Bosk with, you know, a good early barrage and a couple of crit chains, then that's, you know, five points or four points or whatever it is that you get for, for half in something. Yeah, it's an, it's interesting. Um, and I'll be interested to see how AMG, um, like how they finesse the scenarios in the future. Um, whether they I mean, one of the strongest lists we had on Saturday was Han Solo Falcon with a bunch of A-Wings and a Z. And yeah. that was just, you know, and, and that feels Star Wars. It feels thematic that the Falcon would have a small Phoenix squadron running around with it and maybe someone else in, a, in another type of ship. It feels, that feels thematic to me. A mm-hmm. um, couple of things we did, and I thoroughly recommend to anyone running new 2.5 events, is we took the um, Fly Better cheat sheet, which they put on their Facebook page, which may have been from them, or somewhere else, printed out a bunch of those, and every table got one of those. Everyone used it through the day. And then Ryan Farmer, who updated the, um, unofficially updated the rule book um, from the core set, the last page on that is a score sheet, and I just printed out one of those to every table every round. And that was really interesting, because I thought, is this going to just really annoy people? Because, you know, part of the skill of the second edition was you weren't allowed a pen and paper you weren't allowed to keep notes through the game of how many points you destroyed and stuff and you had to try and figure it out as you went along but actually would people mind marking it up and you know everyone seemed to be fine with it and as a to trying to actually figure out putting scores in um at the end of a round it was really helpful just um, you mentioned before that um, chance encounter was your least favorite scenario. I just wondered which was your favorite one. Oh, I love um, I love the messing um, on my list here. Um, salvage operation, salvage mission when you're picking up and dropping crates. Yeah. Um, 
I've never played Blood Bowl, but um, people said it's a bit like Blood Bowl. Basically, you know, if you suffer a crit, then you have to drop the crate. You have to use an action to pick up a crate. That, that was but my favorite. You, so I really that, enjoyed that. Yeah, and and, be, and, and uh, I really want to pick up this crate, but there are three ships around me, and I mean they don't get a focus token. Oh, but <laughs> then at a point, um, oh gosh, you know that was actually yeah. I think that's a lot of fun, and the fact then that when you did suffer a crit, which you did, you dropped it somewhere else around the board, and that's actually tremendous fun. That felt like the scenario that I would play again and again. Uh, and really get different variety from. Yeah, I really, really like that one. I played that one the most, I think. It actually, it came up randomly, but I think I played it three times in a night. <laughs> um, um, gameplay, I think, I think it's worth um, reminding people when they go to an event to don't make sure you take the right sort of tokens with you. Um, it's surprising how many people just couldn't get their hands on tokens, the sort of things that you've thrown away when you've opened up a, a blister and realised we're never going to need these or trick them out. Um, we end, I ended up taking my cardboard box full of bomb tokens and we decided that if a, you know how the bomb token is marked on one side with a white um, edging? I'd, we decided that if it, had, if it showed the white edging, it wasn't a bomb. It was a scenario um, object. And we handed out those to, around the tables just to make sure that everyone had enough. Because it's what, like five, yeah, five or six items you need every table. And some people just don't come with all their stuff. Yeah, I so I, that, that's one of the, the minor gripes I have with it. I mean, you can print them from the AMG website, I think. Uh, yeah, but can. I am aware there are some STL files out there which are the correct size, which is what we're trying to do for the Board in Brum event. Yeah, I mean, it will get mic. itself. It'll get managed eventually, but just for now, it's just worth. You know, we just, we just, and that was what um Saturday felt an awful lot like. It felt like the community that I want, I wanted my children to be involved in when we first got involved in X Wing as a family. It felt very joyful in the we don't quite know what we're doing, but let's try and figure it out together and. Very much as a TO, I'm I'm not a great sort of dungeon master. I'm not someone who's blend you know blended the rule book and, and, and eaten it and I know every sort of FAQ. Normally at our events, if the question comes up, I I open it to the floor. Two reasons. First of all, there's probably somebody with a better way of explaining it than me, but also so that everybody hears the question. So as a group we learn together. And that was what we did on Saturday. Someone would shout out, Oh, I've just flown over a rock what do i do and everyone went you do this you do this and they're reading off the cheat sheets and stuff and that's what i think is great about this is that the people who attended were just in, just willing to give it a go and actually there was some there was, there was an awful lot of comedy and stuff and i love x-wing and you know it's taken me all over the world playing this game and i was a bit upset that it was i felt it was being messed with by people who didn't quite understand why i enjoy it so much but actually, what it has done for me at the moment is bring back some of the fresh joy that I remember feeling when I was taking a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old event to events and hoping that they would be accepted and hoping that they would meet some nice people to play against. Have they met anyone nice? Or are you still looking for that? Well, you know, Liam... We'll see what we can do. Every now and again, I travel up north to Birmingham and see what I can find. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's the wrong place to look. <laughs> <laughs> All you're going to find is crime and desolation. Well, at least you've, at least you've managed, to meet, managed to allow me to refer to Birmingham as the North. <laughs> I mean, it's technically correct from where you are, I think. There it's are far as... fewer tractors near where you are than where I am. I was going to say, I, I know some Bristolian. I, I know that you can say Gertlush, and that mean, makes perfect sense to people from Bristol. Absolutely, Gertlush. Gertlush? Yeah. I mean, I mean, Liam, there have been some times in our encounters that you've been Gertlush. It means, no, re- re- really, it means really nice, or lovely, or amazing. It's like, oh, ah, have, so you, have you seen Ryan Reynolds? He's Gertlush. <laughs> I feel like you're going to ruin my reputation with this. <laughs> I'm sure you'll claw it back, don't worry. <laughs> I will try, but I've been told to behave this episode. <laughs> yeah, but when you're on the internet, you do your weird own thing. Anyway, let's, uh, <laughs> let's hit what did well, shall we? So um, who, who won the event first off? So um, the event was won by Toby, and he ran the Gauntlet Fighter with um, lots of... Um, baby duck fangs so uh he went four and oh it was like mother duck and baby ducks i mean truly but you know what do you try and kill first i mean it's just like um we also had a very strong double which which faction which faction was he running that in was it in rebels or in scum i'm i'm gonna guess now i'm pretty sure it was rebels okay interesting i'm pretty sure it was rebels i didn't I must admit, with the whole day being so fresh and new, I was a little bit sort of free and sort of silly with the lists. Usually I'm quite heavy about list submissions and trying to get the DTO listing and everything up properly, but there was so much to consider on the day. That's um, all good. I just... Thank you. <laughs> Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> but there was Rich, some, some Rich is really excited to use the fangs because he finally has some now. A little bit. <laughs> oh, you finally got some? Got two. Did the I fangs actually... Early. Were the fangs actually? Is this just like a supposing that they move? I can't remember in Rebels. Did they actually go into the Rebel faction in Rebels, or were they sort of loosely connected to the Rebel so alliance? Fen, so Fen Rao gets kidnapped by the Rebels at one point because they want to move Rebel stuff through Mandalorian space, and he's defending it. But basically, they kidnap him, and he won't. Um, call in the um, he won't call the Imperials because he doesn't want the Imperials in his airspace. Um, he just wants Mandalorians in his airspace. So he becomes and it's why his um, pilot tagline is reluctant rebel because he basically joins them and then realizes that they're fighting against a thing that he hates and so on and so on and um, he stops being their prisoner and becomes one of the team essentially over time. But yeah, they um, they do get them. They do get a bunch of Mandalorians. It's a really cool season, um, the one where Fen joins, actually. I might go and watch it again. So he, he did very well for now. We also had a very strong um, uh, Desi, uh, double Desi with one Inquisitor Thai list that did very well. Um, that's, I mean, lovely to, I mean, from the, des- the double Desi lists from first edition, but, you know, double Desi and just one other. Um, my, one of my sons ran Night Beast as um, one of, in his Imperial list, and that's another little strong sort of. How many points? Let me look him up now. How many points is Night Beast going to be? He's he's very cheap. 
Um, he's two, and he just yeah. doesn't die. Yeah, he's yeah, two, he's two points. points. You can't you can't do anything with him. But you know he's getting focus of aid every turn, and he's probably running around scooping up scenario stuff. This is where all these little things are going to start benefiting from things you'd never even considered using. Oh my goodness! And also, this is the first time I'd ever encountered how frustrating are Clan Ren commandos. <laughs> I, oh, they're great! Oh, oh my word! I thought Discord missiles were annoying, but, <laughs> but I just you know, disc- I, personal hatred for Discord missiles because you know I don't want to barrel on, but if I don't barrel on, they're never going to you know. If, if anything was exactly as they were in the movies, you know the 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 way they function in the game, Discord missiles and buzz droids are just horrid. But these things are worse. <laughs> I mean, they move, they shoot. If you want, if you sit on them, they give you strain. Um, it basically, it's a you know for seven upgrade points that you don't have to spend now anyway. Um, they are there are two free ships. Yeah, and, but they're, um, only, they're only shots because nobody's ever going to bother shooting at them because they don't give up any points. Yeah, because so, you're too busy trying to interfere with satellites or grab crates. You think, well, I can't waste my shots on <laughs> these commandos, but because you don't. They run around the board and they move much further than you think, and you know, oh, so annoying. So anyway, the person I was playing, they're, they're, all, in... they're also um, the same size as the objective tokens. If you haven't got any and need to use something, yeah, <laughs> so you could Hopefully. sit them on top of an objective, claim it, <laughs> and then, or, or not claim it, and just go. Well, you can go on that if you like, but it's going to cause you some hassle. Um, <laughs> of course, you know, I was playing. Um, the uh, sorry for forgetting the names. So it was the Mandalorian ship that had them, and Alan had dropped them out quite early on, and was using them quite effectively. And then Toby points out to me, you know, you can put those on an Arc One Seventy in a Rebel list. I'm like, yep. what? <laughs> that's, that's yeah, where I I've, that's where I've seen them. <laughs> I used them. I used them last week, didn't I? I had them in yeah, Ip- yeah. in I was Quite impressed uh, with them. Yeah, we. I, I cheated slightly with them because I. Dropped, I shot them out the front of the ship, which you can't do. You have to drop them out the back, yeah. um, but you can um, you can drop them out facing forwards so that they can then start moving forwards. But yeah, they're um, they are they're great fun basically. And I mean, they'll they'll struggle in a bomb. Like if you come up against some of the trajectory simulator B wing lists that people have been talking about, and you know all of the the people talking about chucking bombs out, they'll really struggle. But they do have two health. Um, which means that they can technically eat a proton bomb or eat a seismic charge and, you know, just be fine. Because, you know, you're, if they apply strain to one thing and do one shot, then they've probably made their points back, to be honest. Um, three and a half points each for each set that you chuck out. Seems hmm. worth. They're it's expensive. But... It's interesting that you mentioned, though, the um, the trajectory simulator B-wing list, because I saw that B-wing list before my event, and I just thought, oh, please nobody bring that and actually i switched the event deliberately i, I was going to just run a dog fighting event and learn the new rules mm-hmm. the new sort of moving around and when you take actions and what happens over ox rules and then someone pointed out a couple of these lists that were brewing and i just thought i can't bear to be at running an event with just these overpowered lists i thought right i'm going to run all the scenarios so we can do a complete test and i actually think that those lists i don't know what you feel I think those lists will do very poorly in some of the grabbing scenarios. They won't get across the board quick enough. You could avoid them. You can't get near them to kill them. But if you do, if you can score points in other ways, then 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 you're then you're going to win. 
Yeah, they're um, they are they are they're very strong. They're not unbeatable. Um, there's a seven ship Republic list that involves a bunch of N1 starfighters, basically everything that's cheap in Republic. And then there's a there's a really um, good six seven ship um, Rebel list as well. And um, yeah, they um, they've got a really strong frontal joust. And if people slam straight into the front of it, then they'll probably get hurt with trajectory simulator proton bombs. And if you're going into the Braylon and Ten version, then they're double tapping sync laser cannons after the primary attacks as well. Um, so there's this enormous front-loaded damage, but they're I-4B wings. So, you know, if you've got an ace, you can squirrel a couple of ships around behind them. And they've only got eight health, so they will die. Um, so, you know, yeah, you, you you might have to suck down a bit of pain on the first engagement, but, um, you know, with some part of your list, but you don't have to joust them with all of it. You know, you can joust it with the thing that can eat two proton bombs um, and then still shoot because it shoots at I-5. You know, like the Mandalorian in the Razor Crest, he he laughs in the face of a couple of bit of pair of B wings, just fly into the middle of it. It's fine. Um, I've got enough health. I can I can handle this. So, um, but yeah. We we also had we also had a, a tie heavy um, in one of the lists as well, which is the That's... first time I've ever seen it at an at an event. So uh, um, Andy Cameron ran that as part of his Imperial list. Um, and um, the one of them is only four points. You know, that's it. It's four points with eight hull, and then you know, and it's got ten points of upgrades available. I'm so, quite a fan of the heavy. I've been flying it. I was flying it at the end of two point oh, and also I tried it um, with Rich on Tuesday. Um, I think it's secretly a lot better than people think it is. Lit- Litton's a good ship. I'm not sure yeah, about yeah. the other ones, but Litton's a very good ship. He's yeah. the one that's four points and ten yeah. points upgrades. I mean, it's. It's interesting that, I mean, it's almost like we are here to break the game. And if we can't break it, then maybe it's in a good state. And there are, we were with lots of discussion in our meal break at the event about, wouldn't this be awful? Couldn't you do this? Or couldn't you do X? There were no sort of traditional swarms at the event, you know, no tie swarms, uh, no real sort of, everyone's ships were sort of running around almost independently, not sort of combining. I mean, my rebels list, I use um, Dutch to pass around some uh, target locks and things. But other than that, mostly, I mean, the board is really busy. Everyone was running at least four ship lists. There are very few three ship lists. Um, Everyone was running mostly four ship or more ship lists. Um, And you've got all the objectives and you've got the rocks um it's it gets to be quite a busy busy board very quickly but it didn't i didn't it didn't bump into my own ships that much but it did hurt when you did you tried very hard not to um i have to say that i'm starting to come around to the i range zero shooting i don't know whether you've discussed that much on the podcast previously mm-hmm. yeah we'll, get, really... we'll have a couple a, a couple of times but okay yeah carry on I mean, I think I think it's valid. I mean, if I got hit in the back in the back on the motorway with Liam driving his Ford Escort, I would wind down the window and chuck something at him. So, if the same sort of philosophy, then then range zero attacks actually work. Yeah, I, I... Uh, to be fair, if I'm in a if I'm in a Ford Escort, it's probably stolen. So I'm I don't care if you throw anything at me. I mean, the 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 range zero thing. Like, I understand why they've done it because it removes um, it removes the feels bad of I've bumped and now I can't shoot you. 
Um, and you do still get the weird interactions mm-hmm. where you bump into somebody and you still don't have arc on them, um, even though you know you've you've gone corner to corner and they can shoot you and you can't shoot them back. But you know you can still take the red focus. There's still a a decision to be made there about whether you take a red focus when you bump into somebody because then you're stressed, so you can't turn around next turn. Um, so you know you, I think it's one of the reasons why Jedi have become quite good all of a sudden because they can bump into things and be like, well, it's got force. So I don't need to take a red focus. And also I can modify this range zero shot with my force points um, because I'm allowed. Um, so it's it's a different it's a different set of decisions. Um, but it's I don't think it's bad. I think it I think the range zero shooting is perfectly acceptable. I understand why people who loved bumping as a tactic to minimize incoming damage and you know are, are cross about it, but I, I am. I, I do. I, I do it. miss the bumping a little bit because it was a quite a good tactic. But you know, it's it's an interesting change because that red focus as well isn't always the best bet either, is it? Yeah. So, but also, how about the um, if you're on any sort of rock, you can't shoot rule that was sort of taking everybody by surprise. And also, yeah. because I haven't really had time to go through many of the new packs, although I've got them, so many new. Sh- shaped rocks now in the game <laughs> yeah the pride I of mean, mandalore is um is an interesting one and the artwork is lovely yeah agree. it's really nice yeah yeah it's that good that it actually made me change from the three rocks that i've had in my bag since the start of <laughs> 2.0 if not earlier yeah they're really really nice but those um yeah, the, uh, the the rocks thing, it's a bit of a weird one because they said they were making them simpler and then they made them slightly less simple. But I think then as you get used to it, they're, they are simpler. Um, they, I think the only one that confuses me still is Debris Cloud, but I'm getting my head around that one um, as we go. But yeah, it's every turn zero obstacle stops you from shooting, but anything that you can drop on the board in the game doesn't. Um, so it's oh, a that's relative, a good way of remembering it. Yeah. It's a it's a relatively straight it, like once you get your head around it, it's relatively straightforward. It's like placing the objectives, you know, you can put it nearly on your deployment zone at if you imagine the map as like a clock, like twelve o'clock and six o'clock and the two deployment zones right in the middle, is 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 at range three of the central objective and at range two to four of the board edge. Um so um or sorry, yeah, at range two to four of the board edge. So you can put it um basically all the way down almost on the very very edge of range one um right on the edge of the ship deployment zone um if you put it in the middle of the thing so uh, what you were talking about objectives there is a spoke where you get like you know one at 12 one at six one at nine one at three on the clock face but you can start to like move them around and put them at two and four and try and overload one side of the board so it's got four objectives on it where the other side's only got one on it and you know trying to place your your objectives so that you know you can dominate that but then there's counterplay after that with the obstacles because if you put four objectives on one side of the board i can then go right he wants to run his big jousting list down there so i'm just gonna put my three obstacles right in the middle of that and stop him from doing it um so it's um it turns zero for me is getting really really fascinating um it's, <laughs> it's interesting i think it's really interesting as well like you say about the positions that are coming out about the objectives because the first time you played you just sort of st- everyone sticks them in the same place. Yeah. Now I feel like people are experimenting with like you. You the game that I watched you play, you tried putting um, the objectives mainly towards their the opponent side of the board. Yeah. Just yeah. to try and make that engagement happen in their area because you wanted yeah. to rush in and fight them there. Um, yeah, I, I thought I it was interesting. 
yeah, I wanted to just have a I wanted to have a fist fight with him because um, I had um, a bunch of jank that involved <laughs> me me flying forward and taking target locks and then spreading them around with R three and Dutch and Ursa Ren. So basically, that was like oh, it was absolute nonsense. It was hilarious fun. Um, it was a four, four ship rebel list with two arcs, a Y wing, and Luke Skywalker, and it was um, it was great fun. But I I ended up putting so my home objective as close to him as I could put it. And then he put his home objectives close to him, and then I put my one that I had to put near him, as cl- like as close to him as I could put it as well, rather than as far away. So basically, everything we ended up with four objectives, almost on his side of the board. There was only one objective on my side of the board, and it was like almost, or sorry, there were two, but they were both like almost right on the right on the halfway line, um, on either side, and then the other three were basically clustered. Um, so it was. It was an interesting thing because I then rushed everything forward, and that's where the engagement happened. It happened where I wanted it to happen, which was stopped him from taking the time to get the objectives. And I was like, I just want to punch you off the board and get my my victory condition that way. I don't want to play with objectives. Interesting that your arcs with the fact the fact that they count as two was yeah. opposing the um, uh, objectives a couple of times. Like you were yeah. getting them to hit like two objectives, or and you just stopping points that way. It's quite yeah. an interesting, like a different approach that I'd not seen done at the time. Yeah, I've been playing around online with positioning of objectives in different places, and um, I've been looking into some of the Marvel Crisis Protocol um, setups because they've got some default openings in Marvel Crisis Protocol now, um, where you know you put your objectives in certain places and bring certain squads, and then they can leverage or or you know capture four objectives on turn one if you put them in certain places or or whatever and um i think that the more we play objective play in x-wing the more we'll start to see you know standard setups almost like chess you know where you get to sicilian defense and the you know whatever the other things are i was trying to think of two things to show that i knew what i was talking about in chess but i don't but that's Um, really interesting you should say that because i think that people I think that people will stop so, some of the some of the builds that are natural builds. You know, you're not going to put a shield upgrade on so and so because that affects your build further down your list. I think people are going to explore certain ships and certain builds that you never would ever have considered, but you've got points to burn and spend. A new new sort of evolution of list is going to, is going to happen. Whereas there have been some times um, during the course of first and second edition where it has felt a bit tired that. If someone's got Suntia, then it's a certain build. If someone's got a Desi with Rack, then it's a certain build. And, you know, Luke Skywalker has to have X, Y, and Z. And why would you consider everything else? Because nothing else is as good. And, you know, with any living game, that's going to optimize. But at the moment, I mean, I, my kids are, you know, X-wing through and through, but I haven't heard such chatter in the car on the way home for, for, for ages about list ideas and their phones were out looking at Yasub and trying to consider things that they'd seen during the day. And I remember that. I remember going to large regionals and, and, and nationals and looking up and down tables going, oh my goodness, I've never even considered flying that. That's really clever and things like that. So I think we're at this quite exciting stage maybe of you know new people coming up with new ways of sweeping stuff around. I mean, you know, I've mentioned about the, um, the configuration on the A-wings, which I've never ever considered to be an advantage. But now, I, but I was amazed on Saturday that there were so few ships on the tables that could slam, and I just thought that slam was going to be a a, a winner for some of the scenarios. 
-hmm. I guess because it's standard, there's only the fireballs, is there? And then that upgrade that gives them one time slam, I think. Yeah, fireballs, burnout thrusters, and black one are the only ways to uh, get Tri fighters slam. can do it as well if you've got the config on them. And yeah, then at the start. Scum medium base ship can take the burnout thrusters. But yeah. that's a one time thing, isn't it? Yeah. Not with yeah. cutthroat or jabba. <laughs> Cheeky jabber. <laughs> cheeky. Cheeky. <laughs> Look, I've got this enormous hut on board, and that means that I can use my slam motors. Let's go. <laughs> She's got all the illegal stuff. Sublight accelerators and a hut. Let's have it. I think I'd like to think, despite the fact that we've spoken about the B Wing list, that we are potentially going to see far fewer denial lists. I, I hate I hate the fortressing. I hate I know that it's been part of the game for a while. I hate the fortressing. I, I, I dislike lists that stop me doing stuff. I don't mm. mind you doing clever stuff, but I don't like <laughs> you doing clever stuff that stops me doing my clever stuff. And I feel, <laughs> you know, I'm not that, that clever anyway, so some of the clever stuff is quite clever <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, Lee, Liam, Liam does these things to me all the time. He puts a list down and goes, oh, it's just a bit of fun. And then he does something degenerate. And I'm like, right, that's a... That's a you're, that you're stopping me from having fun list, isn't it? Isn't it not just bad <laughs> his accent? <laughs> I mean, there's a few there's a few players that that you know do that stuff, and there is something again looking into Marvel Crisis Protocol. The the successful lists in the in in what they they do for OP there are all control based, so it's all about charging across, pushing your opponents away from objectives because that's a thing there. And I guess the the kind of analogy across to that in x-wing is um is ion control so you know you bring ion turrets ion torpedoes missiles connernets ion bombs um and what you're basically trying to do is you know say well you can come and sit on that objective but if you do i'm going to shoot you with some ion things and then you're going to float away from it for a turn and be pointing in the wrong direction and if you're unlucky you're going to land on a rock um but that still requires that still requires in my world dice that actually like me which is yeah. such an unusual thing. Whereas <laughs> in previous evolutions of X-Wing, you've had like the stress bot on the, on the Y-Wing. Yeah. And you know, if you were flying a Rebel Y-Wing, why haven't you got the stress bot on it? Because that's the, that, that was the whole point of the Y-Wing for a while, handing out stress so your opponent can't do stuff. And okay, so it was, ty- it was a way of turning off Suntir, who was also super popular. But, so it was kind of, you could have say it was 50-50. But there have been many things in the game where you think, you're doing stuff that's stopping me playing. And I don't think, I think the game needs to be careful not to create those sort of things. It's a bit like um, pushing up trajectory simulator with bombs. You could argue that's the same sort of thing, but there are ways of playing around it once you know, because with 20 points, you either do a list that's thematic to that, or you maybe put one on and then you can work your way around it. Yeah. Shield, shield upgrades are a great way to deal with proton bombs. <laughs> Only thing I'd say to counter that is trajectory simulation, uh, simulator, sorry, in a faction with Sabine, where you can yeah. attract them away as well. Uh, there is some things that I think do need to be looked at, but it is interesting what you can do. Obviously, we're in this 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 new era of new stuff because it's been a complete rejig. It'll be interesting to see where things fall after the first rebalance. Yeah. yeah. That's super- when I think I'll start to get super excited, because I'm still in this this area where I'm 
skeptical. I'm still playing games. I'm still enjoying them, uh, but I'm there going. This isn't balanced. Yeah, it's not balanced. It's never going to be balanced when you've got, you know, lists of such absolute disparity that are legal um, in the game. And I mean, it's it's getting to the point now where you're looking down and going, right, I've got four points left to spend. Who am I going to take? Right, I'm going to take the ship for four points that has the highest loadout value. Um, because there's no point in taking a four-point generic with two loadout, which it can't spend because there's nothing appropriate to, or nothing even that goes in the slots in some cases, um, unless you want to put, you know, electronic baffle in or whatever. So, um, I was speaking to Adam earlier, and what AMG have done, they've replaced one problem with another, but he did say it's good to look at a different problem because at least it's a fresh problem that we can look at and try and solve. Mm-hmm. Rather than being the old, the old stagnant one, which I do like, to be honest, it was it was a good, it was a good thing to hear. Yeah, Richard, I, I just want to, I just want to ask you really quickly because you've talked a couple of times about you started playing X Wing with your kids. My boy is eight and he's interested, but I can't seem to get him to understand the nuances of the rules. How how did you, or what age were your kids when you started them, and did you just jump straight in, or did you play like a an easier version of the game to start off with? No, well, we, we used to play it with each of us, four members of the family. We all had one ship each. So kind of it was our own version of Aces High, and we would fly around the board shooting each other. And that's what we did. We, we'd choose, we each, I bought the core set for Christmas, which gave us obviously two X's and, uh, no, an X and two TIE Fighters. And I gave one of the boys a Y wing, one of the boys an A wing as tree gifts. And so we had a variation of ships to play with, and we had no idea how points worked, so we just gave whatever upgrades we thought were fun. Um, and I, we never realized that you could only target lock one, one um, ship at a time. So we basically <laughs> used up all our target locks really quickly. We thought you could target lock everybody. Um, but, you know, we, sort of, we, played it on the, we played it on the kitchen table, which is basically the designers say is how they intended that some people will play this on their kitchen tables with maybe just the core set and one or two expansions. And we did that. And then I found a group at work that were playing it in the canteen. And then we realized actually that there was this 100 point, as it was then, version of playing it. And Tim and I started playing that at home. And it meant getting a few more ships. We bought ourselves a Desi when it was new. And we bought um, a couple of other, I think another X-Wing or two. And we made up the lists that were good and fun. And then, just by luck, we found out that that there was... um, tournament scene for this which seemed like a you know i'd done 40k in the past but i would never take a nine-year-old to a 40k event because the ones i've experienced were just too spicy so um i um i curtain games um james fox was running on i rang him up and said that we're father son very thematic um but you know can we come as one team and he said as long as you know how to play the game yeah he said it's quite friendly and we we took um, Tie Fighters and Nadesi, and we came second. And I don't know how we did that, but we did. And it was you know, but everyone was very accepting. And I think you know we went we went from that sort of kitchen table experience to going to organise play. And the thing that I, even though I've absolutely adored the journey of store champs to regionals to the nationals and 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 with the grace of my wife worlds once as well um what i really enjoy is the kitchen table stuff 
is the getting together a list of ships and saying, I think I built something quite fun. Let's see if, what you can build and we'll play it against each other. And that's what I did with Tim. And that's what we ended up doing with, with Simon when he wanted to start playing. Is It's supposed to be fun. It's spaceships. You know, I'm 49 years old. And I and I meet up with nerds and and um, play and play spaceships once or twice a month. It's it's a great fun game, and it's Star Wars and 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 you know, it should be tremendous fun. And it's because it's been so much fun, and because I have such amazing memories, I can feel myself holding on quite tight to it. Which is why changes sometimes hurt, and yes. sometimes changes that aren't explained that well, with all due respect to people that have responsibility of doing these changes and managing and balancing these games if they if it's not communicated that well to a group then that's why we get all upset and we melt the internet and and stuff like that but at the heart of it it should be dads and their kids playing and you know we got told off by a primary school teacher about 18 months into playing the game they said that simon's literacy um, ability had suddenly boosted and they thought we'd hired a tutor and um, they actually said is something wrong and they said well no why they said, well, well suddenly his reading ability has shot up are you hiring somebody to um, to teach outside school hours and we said no but we are playing lots of board games and the teacher bless her said well, what are you doing and she said well we had word of the day she said in class and um, Simon got the word straight away. And usually I make word of the day last the whole day. And it kind of ruined it. And I said, OK, what was word of the day? And uh, she said, it was initiative. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and he knew what that was. And eight-year-olds shouldn't know what the word initiative really means. And I went, yeah. oh, well, there's a reason for that. So, you know, that's, that's my message, really, is it's, it's, it's whether... It's, it should be dads and their kids playing across kitchen tables. And if anyone's willing to adopt Liam, then maybe we can organise that. <laughs> I, think, yeah, that stupid. Stupid. <laughs> I, say, I think what I'm going to do then with Freddie is I'm just going to, because we, we, I started off playing him like um, Anakin Skywalker against you know three, <laughs> three TIE fighters. And I'll probably keep him doing Anakin Skywalker versus you know some a couple of things because there's only the two of us because his sister's just a little bit too small at the moment to join in and mum has no interest so um he's, he's playing well, pokemon though isn't he, he plays oh he's yeah he's po- po- pokemon card game and his literacy and i rushed him i think i think it was i think i think it was maybe closer than it should have been considering it was his first game against somebody that wasn't me um but, <laughs> yeah but, but also but also it is your opportunity to be very spicy the first time you ever take him to an event because for those that still remember first edition lists um we took simon to his first event and it was a store champion cardiff and we wanted him to do well but we want we knew that he would probably lose most of his games so we gave him two y-wings with tlt and chewbacca in the falcon and we thought whoever whoever kills him is going to take the whole round doing it yeah, and he, he lost most of his games. But the last round, he um, he came up to us and said, "I won! I won! I won my last round!" And so very mm-hmm. excited because he was nine and a half and he'd won his last his last round. And I said, "Who did you win against? That man over there, the one with his head in his hands." <laughs> you know, um, you know, it's it's you know, it, it's supposed to be fun and giggles, and we all have X wing war stories of you know last gasp stuff and. I'm being very positive, and I realise I need to rein in my positivity slightly. <laughs> the only, 
The only thing that I'm ever so slightly worried about with this one is that if it's going to create enough stories, are there going to be enough sort of last chance things? Some people said they could see themselves losing a scenario quite early on and they were on the back foot very quickly that the points were racking up and they realised there was potentially no hope of putting one back. Whereas someone said, you know, if he only had Vader left, there was a chance that Vader might do a Vader thing and, and ace it for you. But is yeah. there that opportunity on a 20-point game? Yeah, I think that's that's something that we, we identified that um, uh, in, in Element a few um, a few weeks ago, was that, you know, there are some games where you, you do turn zero um, and then, you know, you, you play turn one out and you just think to yourself, nope, nope, I've got this wrong. I've, I've, I've got it wrong and Although I can't the, win this game. The now. counter to that is me and you played and it was back and forth all game. Oh. That because, last week's game was amazing. Yeah, when when we sort of got our heads around it a bit more. So I, I imagine that um, people of similar skill level will still have those sort of games. You'll have games against people who maybe don't know the game as well, and it, it might be a bit of a, a whitewash for you, but like now we're getting our heads around it. That game could have been anyone's almost any time. Yeah, I think it's possible for you to... It's possible to lose a game in turn zero now where previously it was possible to disadvantage yourself and make it harder now i think if you get your objective placement wrong compared to what your opponent's flying and what you're flying and you get your obstacle placement wrong then that can just mean that you cannot win that game and i i think that's a real risk now but i don't think that will happen often um i don't think it was ever so cut and dried that obstacle placement really defined your your ability to win a game it, it could help or not you know you get good rocks or bad rocks but between objective placement and obstacle placement i and whatever the lists are that are facing off against each other i think turn zero is just so much more important now i mean i played two games against dave sutcliffe um stay on the leader um because he lives quite close to me um i played two games against him last weekend um on his kitchen table and we played um, the same lists in the same with the same scenario, um, but with a different turn zero. And on the first one, he got his turn zero wrong, and I battered him. And on the second one, I got my turn zero wrong, and he battered me. Um, and it was identical lists with the same scenario, but the games were night and night and day with with how things went, basically. Um, so it was really interesting, but yeah. Um, and then, as you say, you know, we do get those games where, you know, I think the game that we had was swinging by like five points. Yeah. You know, you were five up and then it was roughly evens. And then I went four up and then it went back to roughly evens. And in the end, it was 17 each going into the last turn. Mm. So, you know, neither of us could have won it just based on outcomes. And then Auto Blaster Jedi happened to one of your per interceptors. And that was all she wrote. I have to say that is still... Such oh, a horrible is. experience. They need to take that out. Auto blasters, yeah. marksmanship, nonsense. It's that is not fun. R seven A seven auto was... blasters marksmanship. <laughs> it's just yeah. I think the reason it was put back in is because stealth device is banned, and it was the entire stealth device. You can't shoot me. I can go where I want. You won't be able to put damage through, and then I'll be behind you. Whereas now, because they're missing the extra green, they may have felt it's a little bit fairer. Uh, it's I, still so unfun. Yeah. I, I think there's a very good case to remove it, but we'll see what Adepticon does, because apparently they are using that for data, and we can only hope that that data is turned into results Yeah, uh, as soon as possible. Like, the last shot with um, Rich shooting me, he just rolled the dice, 
and then went, right, that's a crit, that's a crit, that's a crit. I was like, well, there's nothing I can do now, is there? <laughs> I mean, in fairness, I rolled one crit naturally, and I rolled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, it didn't really matter, did it? But Yeah. Because it was yeah, like I needed to push two damage on an interceptor, on and an I had interceptor. bullseye. <laughs> yeah, I need I needed to do two damage to you, and I had bullseye, which meant that as long as I rolled two paint, I was doing two crits. Yeah, so which was, was was quite that was a bit disappointing there. But I mean, it was still it didn't ruin the whole game, but it would have been it was just a bit sad that you just went kill off one now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it was. No, it, it was. I agree with you. And, and as we discussed in, on the evening, it's one of those things we look at and you think, well, that's broken and probably shouldn't be in the game. But it also means that I probably want to use it if I'm going to a tournament. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I've, I used to fly Nimmeranda. I've got no problem with anyone <laughs> taking things that are good and using them. I mean, they're legal ships and you shouldn't be made to feel bad for it, which which we didn't make you yes, feel bad for. Yes, it, yes, you should. Yes, you should. <laughs> bad and evil. <laughs> Look, it's a legal ship. It's not my fault they made it possible. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, uh, going on the back of what uh, Rich was saying about going into a room, meeting new people and everything, I would like to take this opportunity to say it's always a pleasure being able to hear Rich's shirts before he enters a room because they're <laughs> so unbelievably loud. <laughs> uh, and it's uh, obviously uh, Simon and Tim. Uh, it's great seeing them in a room and enjoying themselves and just loving X-Wing. And if we do have more experiences like that, uh, the game will only grow. <laughs> it's it's interesting. When the kids were much younger uh, and, you know, we had to tell them the kind of, if you hear any bad words, it doesn't mean that you can use them as well. But we did say had several TOs before I started running events come up to us and say, thanks for bringing the kids today. It really calmed things down. I'm like, oh, crikey, I thought you were going to moan about them being a pain and sort of thing. I said, no, no, you make everybody stop using bad words. You know, you know, And, you know, that's not necessarily what it's there for, but I do think that having a mixed sort of uh, group of kids and, and adults at an event make for a better event because it's, you know, it's all about, you know, having a generational thing. I think I think it should, should be like that. Yeah, I must admit, I'm thinking about taking Freddie down to the Board and Brum event and playing a... a a duo, like running him through a few things. I just don't know if his um I don't know if his attention span will hold up to four games over well, the course of well, the thing is the thing is run it as father and son. You know, so, so join the event together. Get him to set two of the dials, you to set two of the dials, and then there'll come a point that like I did in Cardiff when I went to an event and Tim, who was eleven at the time, said, You know what, Dad, I think I'd do a lot better if you didn't play with me. Um <laughs> Oh shit! Harsh, <laughs> harsh. <laughs> I mean that—that's that, that, what we—we ra- we raise our kids to give us that level of sass, and we're quietly proud when it happens. It hurts. It hurts, but we're quietly proud. And it was a long walk home for him from Cardiff, so you know, it's—it's all—it's all about life lessons. Nice. But no, it should be. It should be. It should be an event. And my wife is a. You know, my wife who's was used to come to the events as basically to deal with any meltdowns we might or might not get from the kids because they're still learning at the time to win and to lose gracefully. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, she basically, you know, she more often be looking after other members of our squadron, not necessarily our children. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's, she said, you know, some events you feel very, very welcome, and it should be like that. It should be a family atmosphere with a lot of fun, 
because the world is full of enough rubbish and other stuff. You don't need you don't need any other things going on. Yeah, and I mean the X we've we've said this a lot before, haven't we? The X Wing community is a generally welcoming and open and friendly place, and you know you go to these events and people are friendly and open, and for everything that happens online, when you actually turn up to an event and start you know, pushing chips around and throwing dice with each other. It's a very collegial atmosphere and pe- people do just get along. And, you know, I think we can all probably count on one hand the number of times that we've had a negative play experience, not a negative play experience, because that can just involve just losing against something degenerate, um, but like a negative personal experience across the table from somebody, you know, that no matter what list that person's using, you're actually enjoying just playing a game of x-wing with somebody you know and then you add them on facebook and then you find out about their lives later on and it all gets all exciting and you know then you find out they're a tory voter and you go oh what am i gonna do (laughs) so on but you know hello but we still like everything (laughs) 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 oh dear right just for context bob used to be known as the secret tory voter I know, but if you ever said if you if you ever said that to him, he got very cross very quickly. <laughs> so, does anybody have any shout outs? Uh, we'll start with Liam. Uh, I'm going to shout it. Born in Brum, never heard of it. Uh, I know. Uh, don't forget the <laughs> tournament on the 9th of April. And Dad bought a ticket. Shout... Good, good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Jordan Bishop as well. He wrote up a. Uh, a good blog of the event where we talked about earlier so before uh, be sure to check that out and yeah that's it any from from you richard well a little sort of a one that people may be aware of but really to louis really who's made these amazing independent kits that really are keeping the interest and people keeping things alive at the moment this is the second time this event i've just run that I've used one of the kits and it just makes that extra bit of icing on the cake for, for an event for people to have some some cards to show off and for people coming away from events because we've still got fresh people coming to events and they're coming away with a participation prize or even better. And it ju- it's just great effort. They're, they're really high quality as well, aren't they? I was really impressed when we got asked. Yeah, they're brilliant. Yeah. Um, have you got anything, Rich? Um, just to all the lads that have started popping in again on Tuesdays um it's great to see um new players and we've got Matt and um oh his mate oh I've forgotten Derek let's say that's Bob (laughs) oh no we've got a Bob Bob might come back for a game Bob said he might come and play I'm excited about that Bob heard that two version two point five allowed you to fly three hundred point lists legally, and he was a bit bit interested and intrigued by that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he's. Uh, but yeah, hope, no, all, all the lads that are coming back on Tuesdays, um, give them a shout out. I hope Bob comes back because he's an excellent drinking partner. <laughs> um, anything from you, Tim? As double muted. Uh, no, nothing for me this week. <laughs> double muted, and then you've got nothing for me. <laughs> well, you, um, you, you said you, you called me out, so I had to uh, unmute. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to shout out to everyone. Um, if anyone's interested, we're going to be running the league again. Uh, go to the Discord. There's a sign-up page there. It is 2.5. Um, yeah, thanks for joining anyone who has. Oh, so with that one anyway, um, it's goodbye from me. Uh, goodbye from Liam. Oodles. Goodbye from Rich. Goodbye. Goodbye from Richard. Goodbye. And goodbye from Tim, unless he's double muted. No, goodbye.
<laughs> See you later. Stop.